This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm your host, Chris Hambling, and with me is a solitary panel member, and that is Mike Scott, and we are being produced today by producer Sam. We're here to look back at the nil-nil snooze fest that was Palace versus Fulham, which saw the Eagles fail to entertain the masses watching the game on the big stage of free-to-air TV. At least we got the point, and Brighton are slightly closer to the relegation zone. Join us for a look back at the game after this. The Match Report. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. So, Mike, just you this week. Uh, we're showing the right amount of uh, deference to the to the quality of the game by barely turning up ourselves. Um, how have you been? Yeah, we've got to stop doing pods on Mondays at the time of recording because that's when like actual work gets done at work, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we should we should probably stop this. But yeah, what are you going to do? Um, but you know, we unfortunately we do have to talk about the game. Let's face it; it was it was very poor, despite um, Roy seemingly being happy with it. We played a team sitting in the relegation zone. Um, and we didn't really show any kind of an impetus. And we'll talk about the reasons why. Got plenty of questions from you at home as well. But first, it's into the news for the week. So, Mike, first up, the uh, the Palace women's team lost 1-0 to a Leicester side. But there's a, an interesting angle to this story, right? Well, there's a few. Um, first of all, this was actually called off a little while ago. But it wasn't because of um, COVID, thankfully. Um, which we'll get onto. It was, I think, if I recall, it was a frozen pitch from from, from January. Um, but Leicester, Leicester City women's team, um, ten of their players actually got fined after they hosted an enormous party um, on the 18th. So, you know, trying trying their best to spread COVID down to South London. Um, so I wouldn't have thought that Palace were too happy to be playing it. Um, but it, it ended up, you know, so Leicester are, are high flying. They're, they're doing really well. Really good side. Um, it was a one 0 defeat. Um, so it's a big shame after after the five 0 win against the the bees earlier in the month. Um, you know Leicester at the top of the league and that kind of stuff. But um, a single Hannah Kane goal 
Um, saw Palace not get any points, uh, stay in eighth, but still way above Charlton, which is what matters. Exactly right. So next up in the news, we had uh, the under-23s the, on the day of recording, recorded a 2-0 victory over Leeds. And this follows up from a 2-0 defeat to Wolves. But the under-23s have been getting some very good results, which when you consider, you know, we've loaned out quite, uh, so many players who were featuring there. You know, those that have come in have really stepped up. And it was a really good victory. Uh, Leeds are a very good side at under-23 level, very highly rated. We were helped a little bit by, after 20 minutes, um, uh, a Leeds player picked up a second yellow card. The first was uh, for arguing with the referee and he got a, a booking just in a, in a Palace attack. And then he scythed down Sean Spence um, as he was, was running forward. Absolutely tremendous run forward from the centre of midfield where he dropped deep to pick up the ball, was absolutely hacked down. Deserved red card and um, the commentary team were a little bit surprised. But the goals were from um, Raksuki, um, who's doing extremely well. Obviously, sort of exploded onto the scene at under-18 level, earned that call up to the 23s and, you know, his first goal at that level and he, he's looking a really good player. We talked about before shades of Zaha about the way he runs at players, you know, getting some real confidence. You know, again, physically he seems very much up to the to, to the step up in, in physicality that you get at under-23 level. Looks a really interesting prospect. And then Sean Spence with his sixth of the season, uh, in the 91st minute after a good long ball forward from uh, Jack O'Brien, sorry, Jake O'Brien, who's a new signing at centre-back for the 23s as well. So really promising performances uh, from all of those. And you have to say, you know, we, we'll talk about the, uh, you know, the bench, the Palace bench later on where Reese Hannan got a, a chance to, to sit on the bench and experience first-team level after some good displays since signing from West Ham at 23 level. But you look at these players and you, and you can't help but feel, you know, surely, I mean, Spence has been fantastic. You know, he plays the number 10 role um, and does so superbly. You know, he's, he's always sort of dropping back, doing the hard defensive work, but really confident runner, very good finisher. Got a hat-trick a couple of weeks back. And you just think, you know, this is an opportunity to show these guys a bit of uh, bit of respect. But fantastic win against Leeds and um, up to fourth in the under-23 Premier League, which for a debut season is absolutely phenomenal. It is, and, and let's not forget that Leeds are absolutely running away with it. So um, that's a, that's a fine victory. They they won four in a bounce before that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be fair, even with ten men, they were they were still creating and putting Palace under pressure. They can tell that they're a, a good team and one that's played together, um, you know, for a while at different age groups. And you know, Palace have brought in lots of new players, you know, who who haven't really interacted together before this season. So it's all the more impressive the work that Sean Derry's doing there, you know, to get better and better over the course of the season. That shows you that the the manager's doing a tremendous job there. So Paddy doing brilliantly at under eighteen level with a very talented squad, and uh, and Sean Derry getting results now at under twenty three level. So looking very good uh, at both academy level levels for Palace at the moment, and plenty to be positive about for the future there. So next up, it's the Feb Player of the Month poll. Um, it's still up for a couple more days if you go to cpfc.co.uk and find it there. Uh, most of the um, comments on Twitter that I've seen, Mike, appear to be give it to the fans because no player deserves it. What are your thoughts? Well, I've noticed um, on my browser that you can only choose the first four players of the squad. Um, so, I mean, I'd have given it to Guaita anyway, but being as the other options are Van Arnholt, Mitchell and Cahill... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be Guaita, hasn't it, really? 
Yeah, I've had that problem with the browser before. It's um, yeah. I mean, certainly on my phone, it occasionally gives me only four options, but you can, depending on where you where you open it, you do see the rest. I think you know, Guaita probably does deserve it. You're probably right. Um, but it's not like anyone else who does well seems to stay in the team, is it? So there you are. And of course, the the final news story from the week. Um, it's a bit. There's a you know, there's a bit of good news in there, but ultimately, it is bad news. And that's that James Tompkins isn't looking like being back anytime soon after the fractured eye socket. Um, but it does seem there was a real fear at one stage that he might have to retire. Apparently that's not the case, but still doesn't have um, the vision back fully in, in the affected eye, Mike. And obviously a concerning injury for him. Yeah, I mean, it's worth just reading Hodgson's comments. So he said, they needed to repair a bone underneath the eye. It was trapping a muscle, affecting the eye's ability to function properly. As far as I know, he hasn't had an operation with the eye itself. And all the experts can tell me is it's a matter of time. Getting his eyesight back is the all-important thing. I mean, that does not sound good. So fair play. It's good that they've given an update. Um, as that might not be the most obvious um, injury. People wondering why, where he is. I mean, that's, that's bad news. Yeah, definitely. And especially as he was... You know, so good considering how long he'd been out. When he came back in the side, he was rusty for about twenty-five minutes, and then after that, you know, our best defender all season, really. So, um, real shame, and obviously wish him well, uh, and hope he's back soon. So it's time for us to to talk about the game, and obviously we won't be doing so for too long Woo-hoo! because there really isn't. There's <laughs> just not much to talk about. We didn't really, you know, if you're talking about a football match and your team doesn't play football, it's really hard to really hard to comment too much on it. But I think the thing that most people are talking about, we'll look at the lineup and I'll run you through it. We played a 4-2-3-1, which we stuck to uh, until later on when we made a defensive sub uh, for some reason. Uh, well, I know the reason, but you know I don't agree with it. But we started with Guaita in goal. Joel Ward come, came back into the side at right back with the injury to Nathaniel Klein anyway, um, which saw Reese Hannam. Uh, on the bench. We had Kiate and Cahill at centre-back, which at the moment seems to be our most comfortable pairing. Uh, and Cahill put in the kind of horror show behind him against Brighton and continued his good work in this game. And the two of them looked pretty solid. Patrick van Arnholt came big, came back in at left-back, seeing Mitchell drop to the bench. Initially thought Mitchell was injured because I didn't spot him on the bench because I saw Hannon there, who's a left-back. Um, but PVA, for whatever reason, was selected. Ahead of the two in central midfield, you had Rida Vald and Luka Milivojevic. The three in front of that was Eze in behind Benteke, with Jordan Ayew on the left and Townsend on the right. Um, yeah, Benteke leading the line. So Mateta dropped. And I'll say what I think first of all, and I'll get your views, Mike, but it, it really concerns me when we do this because, you know, Rory talked about the reasons for it, and, and I'll talk about those now, but... I mean, first of all, when you when you're when you score your first goal for your new club, it's a you know a back heel that's nutmeg two players. It was the only chance that you actually it was created for you, in a, you know in the seventy minutes you were on the pitch. You've got to think as a striker. Well, I could do no more realistically as a as a striker as a person in the team to either get or create goals from the front. I took my one and only chance. And my reward is to be dropped and, and to not even make it off the bench in a game against a team in the relegation zone where we've done nothing. And Roy's reasons when asked about it and quite rightly asked about it in the press conference was to praise Benteke's defensive work and, and to talk about the fact that, you know, 
he he was doing the he was trusted to do the work that was asked of him, which was to close players down, drop back into into the, the left and right channels at different times to add an extra body there. The whole philosophy was making sure that Benteke first and foremost was in the team, not as a striker, but as an extra defensive player to stop a relegation threatened side who were in the championship last year to stop them playing against Palace at home. That that's the only way. I can sum it up. And as you can probably imagine, Mike, I'm I'm not happy about that. No, I didn't think you would be. Um, yeah, Roy enjoys a bet. And obviously, he's seen that Fulham hadn't beaten us um, in seven seasons in the top flight, as they said uh, on, on BBC. So he assumed they were due um, and decided, well, we better sharp shop. We better do a Mourinho, park the bus. Um, and therefore, a strike is not needed against the, the mighty Fulham. Um, so he he went with uh, an extra defender. So yeah, only what better than to punish a 23 year old who scored a back heel by double nutmegging um, opponents, um, stick him on the bench. But and, and not only that, you know, you bring on a you play a, a striker who scored his fourth of the season. You know, who's not been not been amongst the goals very much, but is having a better season. You know, playing arguably playing for a contract if we're going to offer him one at all. Um, and what better way of of trying to get him, keep him confident and and you know, scoring goals than asking him to play a role that <laughs> had nothing to do with trying to score? It's um, you know, these are the things you can talk about the points total, and everyone will you know who is who is backing Roy will look at the the table, look at our performance, and say season on season we you know we're doing better right now than I think we've ever done at this stage or whatever. But what we're seeing as fans is um. It's pretty awful when we we value a point now because you know it's it's not just about getting the point and and I labour this point all the time. This isn't the only way to get a point against Fulham, you know, to to shut up shop and, and not attack. That that's not the only way you can do it, even with the injuries we've got. So to to take this approach to have this negativity, it will just breed more and more negativity, and that's what you see in the players. That's why loads of players are getting a hammering for their form, but. What, what else can they possibly do? They're playing the way they're being asked to play. You know, you can only play within the framework you've been given. So um, I suppose on that, let's hear a little bit from from Roy about how he viewed the match and see if we agree. Hi, Roy. Um, just wanted a reaction, first of all, to you know how your team performed today, if that's OK. Yeah, well, obviously, I'm very pleased with the performance. It was a very difficult game. Uh, we knew that Fulham were in excellent form and we... We know they have some excellent players, so we knew that there was going to be times when perhaps we were going to have to dig in and, and de- defend very, very well, and make certain that our shape was good at all times and that we sealed off as many spaces as we possibly could, hoping, of course, that the game would eventually open out and some more spaces would enable us to, to use, you know, Ebrecesi in particular as a sort of a, a number 10, but it didn't work out that way, and that's credit to Fulham. Well, well, well. Yeah, ju- just for the, the, the benefit of the listener, um, didn't let Hambo hear that in advance because wanted to make him nice and angry. <laughs> uh, certainly achieved that. So first of all, he's very, very happy with a performance like that. Very, very happy. Um, yep. I, I am not very, very happy. Um, and, and I suppose 
it, it tells you everything that you need to know um, about how we approach this game and, and many games. We're still in a position where Roy wants to talk about how talented the opposition are. He wants to a, talk a about... A team who've scored four goals in the last six games. Yeah, four goals in six games. Defensively, they've been better, but they're still suspect. But he wants to talk about how good they are and how dangerous they are. With no difference to how good we are, how many good players we have in our squad. You know, there's no there's no ambition. You know, when he's he you know, he countered the 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 HF banner where we said no you know, there was no ambition. Um what else was it? No oh dear. There's the commitment and ambition. And you know, I, I don't have any problem with the commitment of the players and, and indeed the 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 management staff to try and do the best thing for the club and what they think is the best thing. But I have a real problem with ambition. And again, that doesn't really come from anything other than the manager. And and we get asked a question later on, which we'll get come into about why people are focusing on the manager. And it's because of this, you know, this mentality, you, you have this mentality. This is what you get regular poor performances where you're relying on somebody doing something a little bit magical or you're relying on a mistake from your opposition. When you when you set yourself up first and foremost to stop your opponent, no matter who that opponent is, you know. We talk about the points we've got, and I can't help but think how much better it could have been. You know, I'm not just thinking about how much worse it would be, and that seems to be the default position for anyone back in Roy. How much worse things could be, but how difficult is it for this this set of players? to suddenly turn on the style when it's needed. Roy said in his comments there, Mike, right? And I'm going to let you speak, otherwise I'm going to lose the plot, right? But he said in his comments there, and, and I'll pick out the words because they're important, that he was hoping, he was hopeful that the game would open up. Not he had a plan for the game to open up, not that he had a way of of taking advantage of Fulham's weaknesses, but he hoped. He hoped that we would, you know, get them to a point where they're a little bit desperate and we might get some space and as they might get on the ball more in the number 10 position, but didn't happen. So when was he hoping that that would happen? Given that he replaced Eze after what, 70 odd minutes, something like that. So given that he, the point where the game might have opened up, he decided to take that player off and go more defensive. When exactly was he hoping for that to happen? Um, I, I I am absolutely baffled it. And this is why, you know, I, Roy lost me a while ago because I cannot get behind this this mentality with this squad. That's what jumped out at me as well from from that little segment. That's why I wanted it in the show. Um, the the fact that the the suggestion is he didn't know what was going to happen. Um, if I was going to play devil's advocate, all I could say is that he justify it by the Brighton result, um, which was you know a one in a hundred. It wouldn't happen again. Um, and my only other thing I could think of is, I mean, it's well documented about his links and love for Fulham. Um, does he have too much reverence for Fulham because they're the side that, you know, he, he managed to get to European final? I, I don't know. I, I doubt it. Um, and it, it's no different from any other game this season. So probably not. Um, but it, it shows that if you get to the point where, a side is fighting for their life, scored four goals in six games, and that's enough for them to be, you know, treated the same way as Man City. Um, then I, I think he's got to the point where negativity is just his default. Um, and I think that's probably why even the last few people who were 
staunchly pro Roy um, in my circles have, have kind of changed their minds, even after getting, and let's be honest, we've got four points in the last week, um, but not in a way you'd expect us to have got four points in a week. Definitely. And we got such a boost because no matter how badly we played against Brighton, beating them, especially so late in the game, it was such a such a real confidence boost. We know we talked about it in the, the combined match report and preview show in the week. And it was, I you know, I felt great after that. I was able just to, you know, enjoy Palace winning a football match. I knew we were terrible, but I didn't care because it was Brighton. Oh, the, the joy was flowing from all four of your mouths that entire show. <laughs> Exactly, and it felt good well, to be like that because because three, three and a half is hefty, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can only do so much, can't you? But um, but it feels great, and I want to do. Every, I want to be like that every show. You know, even if we've given it a go and we've lost the game, I still want to be positive and talk about the great things that we did, the moves we did, how unlucky we were. I don't get to talk about any of that really anymore. And what a way to to build on a on a you know somewhat fortunate but but also really hard fought win against Brighton. We, the players worked so, so hard in that game to, to get that result for the manager. They're still fighting for him. They're still doing what he's asking them to do. But it just feels like it's, you know, if, if you want to completely deflate a fan base, that's what you do. You just show absolutely zero ambition. And statistically, Mike, obviously no shots on target. And I believe the only shot we had was quite early on and it was Luka Milivojevic and it was blocked from about a metre in front of him. And that's the only effort we actually made a, a goal well the, the closest we came to scoring was um was a Townsend cross that I think um was it Reed um not back into the keeper so it could you know the, the own goal was the best chance we had um three shots in total none on target one corner I, I don't think we had any against Brighton so that's that's one corner in 180 minutes of football um and, and that doesn't happen by accident um you know corners are important <laughs> and Brighton had a ton against us. Fulham had plenty. You know, they had 16 shots as well, um, which certainly isn't the most we've conceded this season. I mean, so in the last two games, we've conceded, what, 35 shots more. Um, it's it's incredible we've got four points, to be honest. And 40% possession against Fulham as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was improved from the Brighton game, but but not by yeah. a huge amount. It's not like we... And we didn't do too much with it. There was... um. I think maybe five minutes where I thought we might build up a bit of a head of steam, but then it, it really didn't happen. Um, so there's a couple of things that, that that I think are worth talking about. Well, let's revisit the Eze situation. Now, a lot of people have talked and, and uh, QPR fans talked as well about the fact that he should play that, that 10 role. He should be central. Um, you know, he played against Brighton. He was more of a defensive midfielder, which was um, very odd to see. Found it hard to get into the game. And, you know, he's been taking a little bit of flack. People saying, oh, he's out of form. He's not looking his usual self. And I think there's a cl- well, clearly one reason for it is and is the fact that Zaha's not on the pitch with him. Because, it's you know, it's much easier for people to watch Eze when they're not having to watch Wilfred Zaha. Uh, I think that's had an impact. Plus, the two link up really well and create lots of problems together. You know, they, they are two of the only players in our side who really have that kind of attacking mentality of, of being... You know, having that belief to take players on, having that thought process to create something or get a shot away, and that's their primary thought. And when Eze got substituted for McCarthy, and we'll talk about the logic of that, but I take it you saw the look on his face, Mike. You know, he was he looked close to tears to me. He looked frustrated. I know the BBC pointed out as well. He looked frustrated in a way 
that I haven't really seen. He's he's a very easy going. Certainly with his his physical expressions, he's he's usually smiley. Um, you, you could tell he was not impressed with how things were going. Um, and obviously, you're right. We've talked about it before. Um, he's not the kind of player that can do stuff on his own in the way that Zahar can. So um, to do without him, obviously, is getting to him now. Um, but I mean, it's not. That's not the reason that he was frustrated. I don't think. I think it's more that Hodgson's tactics have got to him. Yeah, well, I think it, it is definitely a part of that. I mean, I'm sure he probably looks at himself as well and thinks, you know, being given that that starting position in a, in a ten role, you know, he'll probably be feeling a bit of regret and, and you know, criticising himself to some degree for not doing more. You know, it, it's noticeable that when he was on the ball, the few times he was. You know, he overhit quite a few passes, um, gave the ball away quite a lot when, when he did see it. But that comes from from lack of options around you. We're such a static team. Again, especially without Wilf, we, there's not a lot of movement. And so many times you see a pass played into a player and there's, there doesn't seem to be any thought about that pass. It's just that player's open. I'll knock the ball in his general direction. We keep turning people so they're facing the wrong way, facing back to goal or facing out to the, the touchline. And then it's very easy for teams to close us, close us down. If if you're play, playing against teams, which most teams do now, you know they do the high press. They certainly do it against us because we're susceptible to it. If you don't, if you're not sharp with your passing, if you're not thinking about not just the player you're passing to, but where the options that they've got, if you're not passing and moving, you know it's very very quick that your that your possession and your attacks will break down. And it's noticeable. The only time we really keep the ball is at the back. You know when we when we're knocking it around, and I reckon. At least twenty of that forty percent is people standing with the ball looking for a pass because no one's moving. So the whole thing was extremely disappointing. And for Eze to to have to walk off the pitch that disappointed, that frustrated. But probably more importantly, to have to walk off the pitch and, and we're we're not taking him off because he's ineffectual and maybe I, I was I just assumed the sub the sub would be Eze because he was ineffective. But I assumed it would be for you know Chuck Mateta on go 4-4-2 for the last 10 minutes and have a proper go but <laughs> we went the opposite way we went you know bring on another defensive midfielder and shut up shop against a team that hadn't really created anything against us so where was the threat where was the concern why why were we so worried why was it so much more important for us to eke out a nil-nil and again the, the confidence and belief in this team are getting a, a nil-nil and barely attacking it must be. It must do almost as much damage as a defeat to do that. You'd almost rather lose having a go, um, you know. And I well, just I mean, don't think it's healthy. Roy did that for us, didn't he? I mean, as as Terence tweeted, um, one for the fans that substitution. It really, it really was. It's what we needed to see. Um, yeah, get <laughs> McCarthy on. Just make sure eleven men behind the ball. Absolutely perfect. What do you make of uh, Bethente Guaita's performance? I mean, in the first half, Fulham had a. a the, for, for their 16 chances, I didn't think that they particularly looked like they were going to score that often. And and a lot of what came in and counted as shots on target was straight at him. Um, obviously, that's a bit to do with the fact that his positional play is, is always exceptional. Um, he was probably man of the match for us, I, I would have said, as my choice. Um, but I think he did what you'd expect of a keeper. Um, yeah, as I say, there was no outstanding saves. I think Fulham suffered to an extent the same problem that, that Brighton do in that what they create isn't isn't finished by 
by their strikers. Um, and that's made me wanting to ask the question to you that I've been thinking about for a week or so. Um, considering that we generally think of our strikers as fairly ineffectual, recently, with the few chances we've created, they seem to have done a lot better than players from other teams. So is Roy now, you know, is Roy counting on that more than he was? Possibly, and I'm forced to keep talking about Zaha not being in the team because because of the impact that it has. But, you know, I think what's been positive about Benteke this season is that he's taken up far more positions in the box. You know, he, he's much more often as he, he's in the box looking for the right movement, but often it's really only him. Um, and we've seen the similar thing with Mateta when he, when he got that opportunity his movement for the goal he scored against Brighton was absolutely top class. It's exactly what a forward should be. But, you know, I, th- I think Roy has relied on, on, always relied on individual moments, you know, um, yeah. typically from Wilf. So I, I think, I, I don't think, I don't think there's anything deliberate about what we've seen. I think we're, we're indebted to the fact that our forwards have been better this season. I think part of that is, the fact that we moved to a four-four-two, and we've been, we have been, as the team have described themselves, more adventurous. But I think we've been very, very slow to react to how how the games have gone, and that's why we've struggled as much as we have. I mean, look at look at this game, right? You, we're four-two-three-one. We've tried something different, and what what was really it was really crying out for, you know, probably even twenty minutes into the first half, Eze was isolated and not really having an impact. So to me, and I was talking about this on the watch along, to me, the logical thing to do in that situation was go, okay, Ez, you're a little bit too far forward. You're not seeing enough of the ball. When you do get it, there's too many players around you. You're not really linking up with Benteke. This hasn't quite worked. But what we have is we have a striker on the left-hand side in IU, and we have a player who who can operate as a forward as well in, in Andros Townsend. So let's bring Eze back, get him on the ball a bit more, and have those two tuck in a bit because we're not... You know we're not getting the trend, tremendous amount, tremendous amount of joy down the wings. So let's just narrow it up at the front, get it to a three, and have a three in central midfield. Just something different like that. That type of game management. And in the opening sort of five ten minutes, you you actually saw that with Eze and Ayu uh, and Townsend were all interchanging positions. And when Benteke pulled out left, you'd have Ayu move into the middle to take up that space or or Eze. And I thought, well, here we go. If we do this for the entire half, little bit of positional movement. You know, we we could do something here, but it it seemed to just die a death as soon as I don't know if that came from the sidelines. I know most of what I heard from from shouts from the sidelines, which again I've had to watch back because I was doing the watch along, so I can't hear any of the commentary or or shouts. But when I watched it back, and yes, I am a glutton for punishment. All the shouts were, were praising defensive work and encouraging people like Benteke and Eze and Ayu to get back and, and help out the rest of the team. So, you know, again, we're talking about mentality once more. I mean, it was the game more than any other this season that I wish I could have watched it live because I think a lot of what would have been telling was what wasn't shown on the screen. But it seemed to me PVA, they targeted as a weak link um, and obviously they got strength down that side anyway. So IU was sort of hamstrung covering as a second defender with PVA. Um, And it was crying out for Eze to sort of slot over more to the side. Um, just so that there was still some actual continuity. But like you say, he was isolated because he was in the middle. IU was still tracking back and staying very deep. And it, there was just the, the only anything was coming from Ward up to uh, Townsend. And that, and that was it. 
Yeah, and it's a really good point you make there because they, it was also gyro as well. Um, every time PVA went even vaguely forward, gyro tucked in behind him. So you actually had two players covering Patrick Van Arnholt, Um which it sounds like you're, you're using two players to solve a problem you've created through selection. Yeah, and it um, just shows that this this setup is so brittle, what Roy does. Obviously, if we go a goal behind, we lose. Or if there's one weak link, the whole thing is like a house of cards and it just, just falls on its arse. Yeah. So I don't think we've got too much more to talk about there. You know, we, we only made one sub. Um, you know, probably another reference to the fact that we still left two spots empty on the bench, as I talked about earlier on. You know, we've, it's shown all the people making excuses for Hodgson and saying, you know, you can't pick 23s there because of this or that reason. But he did pick a, a 23s player in, in Reese Hammond, um, but didn't use him. Um, and he's, he's, you know, he's gone on record. I and mean, the only what reason we've now got for that is what he said on record, which is he refuses to pick players if he's not got no if he's got no intention of using them. And clearly, he had no, you know, he has no intention whatsoever of using any of these these guys in the twenty threes who are doing really well at the moment. He has no intention of giving them any kind of match day experience, whether they get on the pitch or not. And and again, for me, that's my biggest problem with Roy overall is he's got no real thought to the future. And you might argue the fact that his contract's running out and he hasn't been offered a new one, new one. Why should he think much more about the future? But I personally think that's his job. But poor performance, uh, you know, in a way, lucky to even get away with a point. Um, But our manager is satisfied with it. So what more can we say? Yeah, and for just before anyone says, oh, you're just being all negative again, we do recognise we got four points this week and now probably safe. So, I mean, but it goes without saying, doesn't it, really? We didn't need to bring that up. (laughs) No, exactly. And as, as I said, I... I would love to be really positive about Palace every single week, you know, because we we do this because we, you know, we love Palace and we love talking about Palace and none of us are, um, you know, we've got accused of agendas and things like that. I don't have an agenda. I don't want Roy Hodgson in charge any longer because I've lost faith in him and I don't enjoy watching his Palace side. Um, and that's really all there is to it. But as soon as there are positive things to talk about, we will do. And if you don't believe us, go back and listen to the, the Brighton result uh, podcast again, because you know, fully 40 minutes of positivity before we said anything negative. And, um, just, just fast forward Heskiff. Just, yeah, yeah obviously say. skip skip Heskiff and some of the things that Albert says as well because, you know. Mm. Anyway, it's advert time. Back of the Nest. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos. Choose your match day squad, post match ratings and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com Ow. This is the, the noise I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. You need to try this out for yourself. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use our code BOTN and always use the right tools for the job. And Mike, we've talked about this a number of times over the week, often to the confusion of some of the listeners, but we are serious about this. Manscaped are a fantastic company. They've been backing us, supporting us, enabling to put this podcast out for free. But it's not just that, Mike. The, you know the, What they've sent us is, is absolutely fantastic 
equipment. Yeah, I've, I've said it before, really high quality stuff. Um, I tried to see how long it would stay charged without me charging it again. Uh, and it lasted a month, over a month. Um, it's got a little light so you can see what you're doing, which is more important than you think it is before you've tried it, honestly. Um, you just you just, you just, just can't fault it. Um, it it's, if, you, if you didn't think that you needed one, um, just, just get one and, and then you'll see how much it changes your life. I, I don't really, I've got no superlatives left to describe it really, but I use it all the time now. Absolutely right. And as I say, the, the you know, the, the supporting stuff that you get with it, it all smells absolutely amazing. You've got your, your ball toner, uh, your crop reviver, so basically a deodorant and everything smells lovely. It, it, you know, it soothes. And I know from, you know, Terence was talking in our chat the other day, the quality of the boxers as well. He's talking about the fact he went on a three hour walk and came back, no chafing, nothing. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people at home, particularly any of you who've done the marathon walk, who know just how bad things can get, um, you know, if you're not quite comfortable with what you're wearing. And the boxers are absolutely superb. And, um, yeah, got a couple of pairs myself. I dare say I'll be getting a few more of those. But I'll pick out a couple of key points for you. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. It's their third generation trimmer. It's got skin safe technology and it keeps your bad boys nice and smooth. And it is smooth. It is a really close shave. And, you know, you follow the instructions exactly. You don't do yourself any damage at all. It's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. Mike's mentioned the light already, close, precise trimming lovely charging stand and so many people have talked about how the lawnmower has changed their life apparently they've included pictures i won't be sharing any of those with the listeners but um but hey you need to try it out for yourself so get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code b-o-t-n at manscaped.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, it's time in the show for something a little different because Mike and I have absolutely no idea what Sam is about to do. It's just called Sam's Special. Sam. So Sam Special is Return of the Quiz because Whoa. the game was so awful. <laughs> Don't liken it to a Fulham game, but it was so awful that we needed some sort of entertainment. So here is your quiz. It is 10 questions long. I know you're going to love every single one of them. Mm, can't wait. Okay. Do, do, you, do you know our usual complaints about your quizzes? Are we going to see those again? <laughs> No. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. Well, Mike, I'm uh, I'm feeling very competitive today, so um, I'm going to wipe the floor with you here. 
All right. Yeah. No. You go ahead. That's good. That was Let's not. You're supposed to. You're supposed to get get involved there and say no. This and... is the most important point of my life. Everything in my life has led up to this. Good. My kids being born means nothing in comparison. <laughs> there we go. Excellent. Let us begin. Three, two, one. Kristen. Crystal Palace have played Fulham 47 times since February 1907. <laughs> How many of those have resulted in a nil-nil draw? Five, six, eight, or three? I mean, yeah, the old complaints are coming back, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I'm aware of my Palace history since 1907 when we first played Fulham. Good. <sighs> and? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I've only gone and got it. So um, the answer to that question, Sam, was, was six, six, wasn't it? Yes, including the first ever meeting between the two sides on the 2nd of February 1907. How? how I, I went five. I totally forgot about the 1907 result. That's ridiculous. Yeah, see? Yep. <laughs> well, here we go. Speaking of memorable nil-nil draws, Crystal Palace held Manchester City to a nil-nil draw on the 31st of December 2017. This ended City's run of 18 wins, but could have been all the sweeter had Lucas scored the stoppage time penalty. How oh, much possession hurts. did Palace have? Still I know. Hurts. Read 25%, percent percent 22% or 37%? I went for an early answer here. The and... answer was 25%. I don't oh, know why I went thirty. That, that's way too much, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I went, I went with the lowest possible because I remember. Yeah, if seven percent had been on there, that would have. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, see these these are football related questions, right? They are football related. I mean, they are still complete guesswork, aren't they? Let's face it. But but that's I was fine. So hungover that. that day. So hungover. <laughs> Question three. In December 2018, Palace mustered their highest tally of shots in the Premier League game since the 2003-04 season. This resulted in a stunning 0-0 draw with Cardiff. How many shots did they manage? 29, 30, 31 or 32? I mean, I, I, mean... I can't imagine it now, can you? <laughs> Keep I mean, in mind we've had 33 shots in the last five games. And we... Both well, answers correctly. Both correct. And both, an answer of thirty-one shots. Can you imagine? Seriously, I, I can you imagine a Palace side having thirty-one shots in a game right now? Well, if so, if we'd have combined the total shots for the last hundred and eighty minutes of football, then times that period by eight, um, we'd have amassed around thirty-one shots. I mean, I re I remember the nil nil against Cardiff, and it's odd to think it was under Hodgson, wasn't it? But you know, well, how how far we have uh, we have slipped. It's coming right. Question four: During the nineteen ninety to ninety one season, only five of Crystal Palace's thirty eight first division matches ended in nil nil draws. Which four clubs were those draws against? Everton, Arsenal, QPR, and Aston Villa. Everton, Nottingham Forest, Southampton, Leeds. Chelsea, Aston Villa, Wimbledon, Sheffield United, or Arsenal, Coventry, Sunderland, and QPR. This question brought to you by Chris Clark. By <laughs> Fair enough. I forgot to answer. <laughs> oh, there you go. Fantastic. <laughs> a lot of reading, to be fair. Yeah. You, you drew me in. 
<laughs> the answer was Everton, Arsenal, QPR and Aston Villa. Um, and in fact, the two games against Everton gave us the five draws. Now, interestingly, um, I remember, because it was, it was when I first really started supporting Palace, I remember the fact that we drew nil-nil with Arsenal and QPR, but they featured in two two answers which I didn't really pay attention to. Um, so yeah, I, I could have got that one. I'm also concerned this... that I've answered one question more than Mike correctly, but I'm only one point ahead. <laughs> Weird. I, I, I mean, this what was you... a good eight years before I came a Palace fan, but I'm I, so I, I'm not sure I was going to remember any of the nil-nil draws from the 1991 season, but. Um, Good. Now I know. Never <laughs> comes up again. <laughs> right. Question five. Oh, we sighed halfway through already. Damn it. I know. On the twenty fourth of November, twenty eighteen, the Manchester United and Crystal Palace game ended in a nil nil draw. But what was memorable about that game? Palace registered more shots on target than Man U for the first time since two thousand and three. It was the first nil nil meeting between the two sides. Both teams had a disallowed goal, or both teams had a player sent off. I feel like See, this is where I start, started trying to get into your head about whether or not you would think of one of these answers or not. Oh, I shouldn't both have tried. Both teams had a disallowed goal. Both teams had a disallowed goal, and it was both for offside. Who scored oh. ours? Coyote, I think. Really? Damn. Damn. Like a, a very odd game. I didn't think that you would you would have the kind of you know fake answer in there of it being the first time that we'd registered more shots and targets since Man United for the first time since two thousand and three. I haven't given you enough credit there, Sam, and I'm going to take, <laughs> I'm going to take that into account for the remaining five questions. <laughs> um, well, see what I've done now is is lull you into a false sense of security oh. with my football question. <laughs> 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 for God's sake! Right? Okay. <laughs> Fine, fine. So what you're saying is Sam more, is more devious than you're giving her credit for? Is that what you're saying? Not only that, but she clearly has is now indicating the remaining questions may not be fully football-related, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to get through them all, to be honest. All right. It's going to be fucking Christmas-based, isn't it? <laughs> so this idea comes from my friend Shoni, who happens to be a Brighton supporter. When I messaged her and said, I'm writing a quiz, what should I do? She said, I'm watching a few good men. So either questions about Kevin Bacon or Tom Cruise. So. Can I, can I just get this? Is, 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 is Kevin Bacon the guy from the BT adverts at the moment? Uh, Not him. It's, it's no, uh, three. Yeah. E, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. E. Um, yes. He is in many films. Have you never heard of the game Six Degrees of Seven of Kevin Bacon? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, also, best no, film, no. Tremors. Um, well, yeah. It's basically, because Kevin Bacon's been in so many things, you can take Hibbs name and get to any other actor within six goes. Right. So I've done that for Palace players or managers. Are you going to explain the links as well? <laughs> I am, yes. Fantastic. I genuinely can't wait. Let's crack on. <laughs> okay. So first question in this round, can you name the current Palace defender who could be linked with Kevin Bacon? Mamadou Sacco, Scott Dan, Gary Cahill or Joel Ward? This is like an easy one to start you off. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, of course it's easy. Yeah, because I mean, all of those have been in films. Yes. 
I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm right, but I'm really looking forward to the reasoning. So the answer is Gary Cahill. Of course it is. How stupid of me. I went sacco. I must be an idiot. So an easy one. Mm. Kevin Bacon stars in the EA adverts, one of which features David Luiz, who played with Cahill at Chelsea. Right, so you lost me there because I didn't know that. So that's the next five buggy. Right, carry on. (laughs) They get even more tenuous. (laughs) Good, good, good. The more tenuous, the better, let's face it. So, part two, getting trickier. Which of these Australian Palace players is linked to Kevin Bacon? Nick Carl, Craig Foster, Mile Jedinek or Tony Popovich? I mean, this definitely isn't going to be guesswork at all, is it? Let's face it. <laughs> it's all hard facts. I feel like I mean, Mile's only, only in there because we'd, we'd guessed that off the bat. Yeah. I mean, oh for God's sake. Oh, Tony. <laughs> answer is Tony Popovich. Reasons? Kevin Bacon starred in The Air I Breathe with Emil Hirsch, who was in Midnight in the Switchgrass with Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis starred in The Fifth Element, which mm-hmm. briefly featured Fitzhall, who mm-hmm. was in The Palace Squad with Tony Popovich. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I yeah, and I knew Fitzhall was in The Fifth Element, so I should have got that, really. Um, or should I? <laughs> It took a while to figure some of these out. Did Craig Foster definitely never play with Fitzhall? They probably didn't. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Which 1999-2000 squad player can be linked with the master of acting, Kevin Bacon? <laughs> Andy Frampton, Clinton Morrison, Hayden Mullins or Dean Gordon? I mean... I can picture listeners just screaming into their podcast app going, yeah. Oh, it's um, so obvious! I'm starting to wonder if... I don't think that's what they're screaming. No, no. Oh, hold on. What's happened here? The answer is Andy Frampton, Clinton Morrison and Hayden Mullins, not Dean Gordon. Wow. So you were both partially right. Uh, So Kevin Bacon starred in You Should Have Left, You Should Have Left with Jeff Ball. Jeff Ball and Danny Dyer were in the business. And of course, Danny Dyer starred in Dead Men Running, which was produced by Ashley Cole, who was on loan at Palace during the 1999 to 2000 season. I mean, so, so with this question, you actually didn't even give us the option of getting the answer right by choosing more than one answer. No, okay. I'm not that nice. What are you doing with your life that has made <laughs> this happen? And more to the Don't point, anyone still work. listening... And not fast forwarding this. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> Next question. Okay. There's only two more. Only two more. Question nine. Which Crystal Palace manager can be linked to Kevin Bacon through a superhero film? Which I know Mike is going to get. Uh, Steve Koppel, Neil Warnock, Terry Venables or Alan Pardew? I mean, I I feel like I've gone with a logical choice, but I don't think logic comes into it, does it? It was me. I had a lovely time. An absolutely <laughs> lovely time. Oh, dear. The answer no. is Steve Cobble. None of you, either of you are doing very well. Oh, sorry about this. <laughs> you should remember your film quiz from last year that we did. The endless quizzes of the summer. So Kevin Bacon was in Super with William Cat. Cat scarred in Cyborg 3, The Recycler. (laughs) (laughs) 
Lynch, isn't the film? With Richard Lynch. Richard Lynch was, of course, in the classic Gun of the Black Sun with Ian Wright, who was a player under Steve Koppel. So when See, you this said, is... I would know the answer to this. Why? What, no, I said in... you wouldn't because you don't watch superhero films. Oh, okay. Because I, I knew I knew that Ian Wright was in films because of incidents. And I have seen a short film that he's in with Ricky from EastEnders. Um, which, again, if you, I, I mean, I can't really help you with the name anymore, but if you Google Ian Wright, Ricky from EastEnders, you will find a YouTube video, uh, video of their short film, which is really odd. It's not pornographic. Not quite. Okay. Final question. How many degrees separate Kevin Bacon and Wilfred Zaha? Three, four, five or six? I've gone with, gone with an answer, but I probably should have gone with... Uh, no, no, I shouldn't have gone with anything logical, should I? Let's face it. I mean, it would be... It would fit if it was six, wouldn't it? That would That would be a nice conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's not. Yay! So, <laughs> the answer was five. Kevin Bacon was in Beyond All Boundaries with Jesse Eisenberg. Eisenberg was in 30 Minutes or Less with Bianca Kalik. Kalik was married to Landon Donovan, who was on loan to Everton whilst Marouane Fellaini was there. And Marouane Fellaini was at Manchester United while Wilfred Zaha was there. Can I just say you missed out two words in that explanation and they were, of course. I did. And yeah, of course. Fellaini was at Manchester United when Wilfred Zaha was there. And I knew that, which is why I got the answer correct. Of course. Of course. Well, absolutely dicked on there, didn't I? Absolutely so, dicked on. I mean, leaderboard? Yeah, take us through it. Congratulations, Hambo, with 18 points. Mike in second place with nine. Silver Sorry. medalist, get in. <laughs> <laughs> Just like to draw attention to the fact that um, not only was I double your score, Mike, but I was, in fact, 11 seconds quicker in my answers than you. So. Thought I'd mention that. That's oh, look, I can click on the button tape. and share that to Facebook. I, pro- I probably won't. I don't want to be... You, should, oh, you absolutely should. I might I might reopen my Facebook account just to show that I'm a silver medalist. <laughs> uh, well, f- thank you, Sam. That was Thanks, just um, what we needed. Loved it. Loved every second of it. Anytime. <laughs> okay. Before we move on, I mean, how do you follow that? I have absolutely no idea. But let's talk about our sponsor, Pitch Sport. Pitch Sport have got a fantastic app. Uh, you basically download the Pitch Sport football app. If you Google Pitch Sport football, you'll find an option to download it on Play Store or indeed uh, on the iOS. What's it called? iOS apps, Apple apps, App Store. That's what it's called. I got there in the end. You never know that I own uh, an iPhone myself. Anyway, get registered, get on there, and you can get involved in entering your post-match player ratings. You can talk about which what your predicted lineup is. Uh, you can talk about how you rate the manager, the referee, atmosphere, whenever we get to go back. You can do all of those things. Everything that you put in there goes into Pitch Sport. They create the statistics for how the fans are feeling. Feed that back to us. They help shape this show and helps shape the conversations that we have. And they've also introduced Foreplay, which is a match prediction game. So that's now available on both uh, the Android version and indeed the Apple versions just launched as well. You get to pick four games. That's why it's called Four Play. Uh, you get to pick four games where you predict the results. 
creates a leaderboard. Fantastic little game. And, and Mikey Fairley, the producer, is doing far too well on it. So we need more and more people involved. You know, so this is going to hit in a well. really big way. Yeah, Nick as well. So it's obviously really easy to play. So um, get involved in that. Let us know how you do. And as we move forward with it, we'll create some leaderboards. Maybe we'll give some prizes away, that kind of stuff. Who knows? But get involved now. Get in, get in while, the, uh, while the going's good. And uh, help support Pitch Sport because they support us. And if you want to link up with Mike and myself on there, my code is K-U-G-K-U-T. Mike? Mine is E-N-E-Y-D-K. Back of the Nest. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos. Choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. Okay, and we'll end with some listener feedback. Plenty of your questions in. We've picked out a selection. And by we, I mean Mike. Mike has picked out a selection. Uh, I'll go with the first one, and then we'll uh, we'll move through. Alternated, Mike. How about that? That'd be fun, won't it? Sounds good. So Andy Hode, Andy the Twat. Love Andy is a regular contributor and as owner of one of the best names on Twitter that you can get. And um, Andy's talked about a topic we've, we've touched on a little bit already, which is that we all got excited over Eze. Granted, of course, we should, but under Roy, he's not been half the player he was at QPR. Maybe under a new manager, we'll see his real talent emerge. Cross fingers, it's been a small, just been small glimpses. Uh, if he's given the example of the Sheffield United games, Wolves and Leeds, where, of course, Eze was excellent. And I can only echo that. I do think it, it is you know working under Roy. I'm going to try and go for a bit of a positive angle here because you know we've been negative, understandably, in this show. But I think Eze will benefit from this spell. I just don't think it can go on too much longer. But I think him having to you know learn a bit more about how to play in a, a negative system, how to do the defensive work, how to play a role that's perhaps a little unfamiliar to him in impact games. He'll learn from the adversity of being in and out of matches. And, you know, he's had three or four on the bounce, which he's not really been had to impact, been able to impact the way he'd want to. He hasn't got Zaha in there with him, so he's having to to find different ways of playing to get involved in matches. And, you know, he will undoubtedly have other spells in his um, his time at Palace and, and maybe beyond if he moves on. Uh, where he'll struggle as well, and he'll be able to draw on this experience. So part of me is trying to be a bit philosophical about it, but you know, to me, you know, I feel like we're wasting his talent at the moment, and, and he does not suit uh, a system and a manager who focus primarily on stopping the opposition, because he needs to be given that freedom to pop up where he needs to pop up, get involved in the game, and most importantly, he's the kind of player that needs people around him that have the same mentality, the same, same skill set, and we just seem to not have enough of those in the squad at the moment. But again, pointing the way forward, I think if you look at Zaha, I think if you look at Mateta as well, the way he plays the game, um, I think those those are his type of players. You know, a little bit unpredictable here and there. You know, enjoy flicks, enjoy enjoy you know good movement, fast passing, that kind of stuff. I think if we can get a system that and a manager who believes in that way of playing, and I have to say, I genuinely think the fact that Roy hasn't been offered another deal. You know, I have to believe that there is a, a plan in place to actually deliver that. And the players that we're looking at, the people we've brought in, are all geared towards doing that. That's that's my hope anyway. Ties in quite nicely with the next question um, from FPL Boss Eagle. And they asked, 
Why do all our fans focus on Roy when the reality is our board or structure has left us with 10 plus senior contracts coming up in the end of the summer? A first 11 with precisely zero pace, albeit because Zaha and Schlupp are injured, and a few or no viable academy players to bed in. And then Charles Mayer um, just added to that um, that he thinks a major discussion should be had on this topic. Um, probably haven't got enough time for a major topic, but um, it's clear to him that Paris is going to ride Roy until the end of the season. Well, my thoughts on that um, would be that uh, the best time for a change, um, a, a, a large-scale change, is when there's a manager change. So assuming that um, Roy isn't offered a new contract, um, it's probably the best time for it. Add to that that Palace generally are quite secretive about um, contract extensions and don't necessarily bring them up immediately. So we don't necessarily know how many people haven't been given a new contract. Um, you know, Mitch and Guaita have been mentioned publicly, probably because they're the ones that people were most worried about. Um, we all know the financial issues. We knew that back in 2017, we were up there at 80% of our income and wages. So something had to change. And um, I think it, it happens to be a lot of older players, um, uh, their contracts are ending. I don't doubt some of them will stay, but some of them will definitely go. And that that's probably because it's, it's the end of an era with... It's, it's the class reference you're laughing about there, isn't it? Um, a bit, yeah, it, yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be a change with with no Roy um, and some of the players were his choice. So um, I, I, I don't really see the issue with it, and I, I'm not sure that you can focus it being on anyone's fault. Um, I'm not sure it's a fault at all, really. So if no, you want to add to that, Hambo. Yeah, I just think it's it's a good point, and I, you know, I wouldn't say all the fans focus solely on Roy, on Roy, and and the and what he does, but. I think th there's zero doubt that the way we play has everything to do with Roy, because you know it's not that it's not that he hasn't been given options in the transfer market, and and indeed he has been backed with the players that he wanted. You know that that's the truth of it. Um, you know, it, and many of whom are the ones that are have a contract up though. I, I you know, yeah. I, I I think that I think the two things are connected. Because um, I think Definitely. Paris is clever enough to know that you know the next manager probably doesn't need James McCarthy. Yeah, it's, it's, I think all, all I'm going to say is it. I ha well, if it isn't deliberate to to have ourselves in this position where we have a major rebuilding situation, and you know, as, as you've mentioned, Mike, you're quite right. Wages have been a massive problem, and, and you know, we will, as a matter of course, solve that problem with particularly with you know Sacco. Benteke to a lesser extent because his last contract was a bit lower, but obviously Mayer's gone as well. Um, you know, we we will see a, a reduction in that wage, and it will give an opportunity for a new manager to bring their own players in. So often, you know, you, you see throughout football, a managerial change gives you often gives you a bit of a bounce, and then things start to drift again. It's very rare that a manager comes in and just excels straight away because they need to be given that time to build their own squad. You know, we're probably a more attractive proposition with them if, and this is an assumption, if the manager can, a new manager can join, and have you know effectively quite a number of places in that squad available. Now, don't get me wrong; I think we're taking a big risk, and I don't necessarily think it's an avoidable risk either, because you know, at some point when you make a change, you do have to, you do have to take a risk. Every appointment's a risk. Every signing is a risk. And the more you do, the bigger that risk is. So it's a, it's a really tough time and it might work or it might not. But I do think we need to do something different 
quite dramatically and i don't i don't see any other choice but i get i get that it's not all on roy the way that the way that things have gone um and there's certainly been an impact on the, on the way we've played and and the quality that we've had with the uncertainty that's at the club as well that has had an effect and that's not on roy but ultimately he's the one who against fulham um didn't bring you know didn't make yeah three subs available didn't make two of them didn't try any way whatsoever of getting back in that game dropped a striker who scored his first goal and was clearly confident and settling in uh, in favor of defensive options he did all of that and so it's very hard for any fan to kind of you know to accept that and not criticize the manager because he seems to be the source of a lot of the problems um so we've got uh, jay bamford and andrew park mike i'll let you well, I was quickly going to add another tweet in that's just, just come through. Um, it says, uh, no one, absolutely no one. And then at Kitty Pantaloons, who um, their real name is Samantha Clacker, um, please, please do another quiz. So let's bear that in mind for the future. Um, excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, at Bamford 7 that is an unfortunate surname. Um, apologies for your surname. Realistic targets for the summer. I stress realistic. And then Andrew Park, positive tactics and how the club can move forward. So mm, we're, I'm sure we're going to cover this a lot more in future pods. But if you want a, a quick monologue, Hambo. Yeah, I'll try. Um, so for, first and foremost, it's very difficult to pick out realistic targets when when we have such uncertainty over the effective work permit system of trying to buy players from Europe. So, you know, those that are available there being realistic, you know, they have to have played a certain, you know, have to be internationals really, have to play a certain number of games. And, and I, I don't know the full point system. I haven't researched it yet, but I know we're going to be limited. You know, we won't be picking out too many, you know, players that people don't know too much about, I don't think. So that kind of pushes us into areas of the globe where we don't we don't know the players at all. So... We'll be looking for some gems out there. We'll be looking at the free transfer market in, in this country. Um, and that will be where, weirdly, the, the easier signings are. But, you know, I'll pick out Conor Gallagher as one. You know, you'd expect West Brom to go down as the, you know, as things currently are. He's only on loan. We were interested in him. We desperately need a, a more mobile, more creative central midfielder. For me, that's a realistic target and somebody we should pursue quite, you know, quite firmly, shall we say. Uh, but other than that, we de- we really do need somebody to to provide some some real competition for places as, on the right side of attack. But so much depends on who who's managing us next season and what system that they want to employ, uh, and and again who we keep. So you know we, we're talking about probably younger younger central defenders from probably the championship if we're being honest. Um, and I know I think we were linked with a with a couple recently, but names escape me. But if you want to see more about that, as as the the rumours surface, probably check out the YouTube channel. Dio will be covering covering this uh, as we get towards the end of the season. But we'll come back to that again in the future. But we've got to be positive from now on, and it's all about that that managerial change for me. I reckon if Roy's still the manager, maybe a forty year old Michael Carrick and Jaggy Elka from Sheffield United when they go down. <laughs> Um, so Nick Gusset of this parish, um, he said, I'm not convinced after watching Palace this season and other matches that we're in the best league in the world. What do the panel think? Uh, and then we'll end with uh, Keith Powell. Will we get a shot, shot on target Wednesday? <laughs> what do you mean on Nick's point? You know, I, I, you know, I don't put too much sort of thought into whether or not the Premier League is the best league in the world. But what I will say on, on, on that is this season... 
you cannot really judge the Premier League this season no. on on the quality, on, on the you know things are weird things happen throughout the course of the season all the time. You get really freaky results, and it's all COVID related. You know that we've seen this year the difference it makes not having fans and. Some of the clubs that are doing well are the, the clubs that whose fans don't really add anything. Or in the case of West Ham, their fans are a massive hindrance. You know, they're, they're very, very negative all the time. They get on the back. Can you imagine if West Ham had their fans earlier this season, Moyes would have been hounded out. There's no way they'd be where they are right now. He's had the opportunity to build a team and a system. You know, he's been backed in the market. And they're doing fantastically at the moment, as much as it hates me to say that, you know, as, as it hates me, as it annoys me to say that. Um, and that's, you know, those are the types of impacts we're seeing. So it's really hard to judge any league right now because things are so weird. And because there's so much Premier League every day, nobody's really watching the other leagues anyway. So I, I couldn't particularly comment in the way I probably usually could in a on normal season. Uh, shots on target Wednesday, Keith. Um, I certainly wouldn't put my house on it. No, absolutely right. And obviously, we do play Man United before um, the preview guys get to do anything. So they'll be reviewing the, the Manchester United game um, in the podcast being recorded on Thursday. So, Mike, I guess we just give some really quick thoughts on how we see that going. Uh, they weren't particularly impressive um, at the weekend, were they, with their nil-nil? But, um, you know, they're obviously a half-decent team under Oli, other than when they play the top six. So you'd expect them... You'd expect there to be some reaction from them from them not getting a goal and once again struggling against a, a higher opponent. Uh, they'll want some form of revenge for the three-one earlier when they when they hadn't really settled into into the league like we had, hadn't really had a pre-season. So I expect a much much harder game. And frankly, if we churn out what we've churned out for the last four or so, I think we're in real trouble. So I can't see anything other than a you know let's call it a two-two-nil defeat in my view. So I think that they are the epitome of a, of a team that have got more points than they probably deserve this season because their strikers have been clinical. Um, and and then, you know, so this, I know it was a draw against Chelsea and perhaps shouldn't have been, but, you know, they've pulled Dan James out of the bag, who everyone forgot existed. Um, they've, they've got strength in depth going forward and I, I, I'm a bit worried. I, honestly, I don't see us getting anything out of it. It'd be nice, nice if we did, but really I, I'd want a full strength. And by that, I mean Wolf Zaha. Um, Palace team to, to stand a chance. Um, I don't think there'll be any shame in in, in losing. Just uh, just putting a decent performance. Yeah, but as you say, not holding my breath for for any shots. If we can't muster an attack against Fulham, you know what's what's the likelihood of a decent attack against Man United either? But you know, we live in hope as always. Anyway, so that's your lot for the week. Thanks for listening. Thank you to everybody who got in touch with the show today, whether we used your message or not. Really helps us develop the show plan each week. Please engage with our sponsors, Pitch Sport Football and Manscaped. They support us so we can keep this show free for you all. Please support them. Like, follow, subscribe on all our social accounts. And as I say, the preview team will be back looking back at the Man United result and then looking ahead to the next game, which I believe is against Spurs on Sunday. So until next time, come on you Palace. Back of the Nest Review Show, sponsored by PitchDMM.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.